You are about to listen to Pastor Dominion Jigar, the lead pastor of Brace Up, a ministry aimed at bringing Christians to the Bible standard of word, prayer, and evangelism. Be blessed as you listen. Many years ago, I was watching a video of Pastor Chris, and he prayed for a man. I think he was done preaching, and he said, Oh, I hear that there was a man that they brought on wheelchair and had an issue. Now pay attention. So they wheeled the man to the front and he prayed for the man. And told them to take the man off the wheelchair. They took the man off the wheelchair. Pay attention. Pay attention. Not reading the story. <laughs> Alright. The man stood up. They took the man off the chair. And the man went flat to the ground. And he looked at the man and said, Sir, you have been healed. Stand up. You have been healed. Stand up. And the man took himself off, stood up and started walking. I said that to say something, that that person has been healed. The person has been healed. That situation has been sorted out. What's the evidence? Is it that the person is standing up? No, faith is the evidence. How did he know the man had been healed? Faith is the evidence. Faith is the evidence. Faith is the medical report that the situation has been cured. You know when they say, oh, do you know that if they tell you that this person has HIV, you might not see it in the person, would you? For your evidence is what the medical report. The evidence that that person has been healed is Because I know that when I ask, what happens? When I ask, God, ah, Jesus Christ, faith series, you've forgotten everything. When we ask, God gives. James chapter 1 verse 6 says, He gives without finding fault. I want you to know, you have to know that the situation has been fixed. Praise the Lord. So do as you've been told. Have you heard? Do as you've been told. Praise the Lord. Ah. The teaching on delight. You see delight. And we have said that joy is a marker of believers. Joy is a marker of believers. And you can't afford to lose the joy fight as a Christian. Nothing should steal your joy. Say this, nothing will steal my joy. That's important. Do you understand? Heads up. There are things that would happen to you that will make you feel sad. 
That means that will happen to you that might even make you cry. But nothing should make you to not pray. You must have experienced it before that you were so angry. You wanted to pray, but you were so angry. And then you couldn't pray. But you wanted to read your Bible. Do you understand? Or something happened. Maybe sometimes we fail exams and then, oh, they just forget about God. They're just sad and depressed. You know what Paul, um, Paul said? He said, be angry but sin not. That's something to think about. It's possible oh, it's possible to be angry but don't sin. Never allow anger to have the best of you. It doesn't matter. Oh, I heard a story about a particular um, pastor in a church. His G.O. told him to do something and he, he, he didn't want to compromise. So guess what he did? Who can guess? He converted to a Muslim. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? It might start little. But if you, if you keep it, it will grow. The same way temptation works. It comes as a suggestive thought. If you keep it, it will grow. So you just get angry and say, you know what, I'm leaving that department in the church. They say, ah, we are the unit. You say, no, 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 I'm angry. The way pastor spoke to me, this and that and that. So you move the way from the department. Then later they say, oh yeah, go and join this other one. You say, no, 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 no. I just, I just want to be on my own. Before you know what, the guy has moved from that church to another church. It doesn't, for him, it's not about what they teach or what they don't teach. He's going somewhere. He has no reach where he's going to. He's still going. Never allow anger to get the best of you. Do you know what the book of Proverbs says? It says, better to live on the housetop than to live with an angry woman. Never, in this generation that we are, that any small thing, people are like, I'm not doing it again. Don't allow anger to have the best of you. One, number two, if somebody is angry with you, deal with it. So, the person is angry with you and say, because of that, I don't want to talk to you again. And you guys are members of the same group. The person is going somewhere, has not reached where he's going to. Later on, listen. Because it is our responsibility to make sure that everybody is growing. And what I'm saying affects every one of us. You know why? Here's the reason. It's difficult to work together, interact together for a long time and not step on each other's toes. Do you understand? So, you must give provision for forgiveness. You must make provision for forgiving the person. Do you understand? And ensuring the person forgives you. Go all the way for it. I don't know I'm going this route. Do you understand? 
Go all the way. Reconcile. 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 Whoever the person is, go and reconcile. It doesn't matter who is wrong or who is right. I had a teaching many years ago from a man of God. Very, very, very interesting. He said, there are different ways to reconcile. One of the ways to reconcile is forgive the person. If it's paining you too much, you know that. You know that sometimes you want to forgive, but you want the person to say sorry first. You know now. I don't know that. Do you understand? You don't necessarily see. If someone comes to meet you and says, this person offended me, and you tell the person, I am sorry on that person's behalf, and the person doesn't want to hear. Like I say, go all the way. Make sure there's reconciliation. So you go and meet this person and say, listen, this is what you did. And we're going to go together and beg this guy. Because we must reconcile. We are one body. So, if the person can forgive without them telling him sorry, fine. But if the person insists that he must hear sorry, make sure that sorry is said. If you broke the person's stuff and the person say you must pay, even if the group has to put money together to pay, let us pay. Paul said, it's not better for you to be defrauded than for two believers to carry themselves to court. It's not better that you were cheated. This guy duped you. He says, is that not better than now saying, what? You, 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 you meet my lawyer. Now, in practice, these things are not very easy. But you know what? You must resolve that no matter what it is, I'll be concerned. Come and say, I'll be concerned. All right, that's important. I don't even know why uh, the Lord laid that in my heart, but I believe that would bless us. So, this is the series on delight. And this is the last part. I was teaching on devotion. Come on, say devotion. Now, of course, many of us, what we know as devotion is uh, morning devotion and the rest. But here, the word devotion is used to describe a believer's commitment. Now, as a believer, you need to have some commitments in your life. Do you understand? I like what someone said. He said Christianity is not a religion, but Christianity has, um, how do you put it now? Religion. Like, it has things you have to do religiously. You have to pray every day. Do you understand? You have to pray every day. You have to read your Bible every day. Do you understand? You have to be part of a local church. Right? That's simple enough. You have to be part of a local church. You have to evangelize. You have to praise God. Those are commitments. Those are not things that are subject to to debate and bias. So, now, what we want to learn is how to have a vibrant and consistent Christian devotion. Vibrant. Have you seen? Have you seen someone pray? And you're like, God, this is prayer lifestyle goal. Have you seen that kind of thing before? When you see favor and consistency, do you understand? When you see favor and consistency, many of us are used to, oh, I go for a camp meeting, I go for a retreat, I go for one meeting, and I'm revived. And of course, the usual thing is that it dies down with time and then when you are at that end you're like oh i need another i need a retreat i 
I need to take some time off. I need to. No. You need to stay on fire. That's what you need to learn to do. And do you know what? You can learn to stay on fire. You can learn to be vibrant and consistent in your Christian devotion. You can learn. This is why growth hasn't been, you know, practical in our lives. Because we are doing like, imagine if our commitments are food and really the commitments in Christianity are actually the things that feed us for spiritual growth. Prayer, the story of the word, um, evangelism. Do you know, do you know that there's a, evangelism has an effect on your personal Christian life? It actually has an effect on your personal Christian life. Praises is an important aspect of your Christian devotion. You need to be praising God. Can I tell you something? And this is very true for some people. That the only time some people pray without knowing like without the consciousness that they are talking to God. So the only time they get conscious that they are talking to God is when they are worshipping God. But when you are praying, you are talking to God. Praise the Lord. So what does a vibrant Christian devotion look like? I'll start from the text we've used as the text for this series. Matthew chapter 13 verse 44. Matthew 13, 44. Please open your Bibles. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Come on, say treasure hid in a field. This is beautiful. He said, The which when a man had found, he hid and for joy therefore goeth and selleth all that he had and buyeth the field. Now, this is grassroots. This is where you start from. That you see that the kingdom is like a treasure. Now, listen to me. If you don't see that the kingdom is like a treasure, your devotion won't make sense to you. Praise the Lord. Because when, listen, when he said the kingdom is like a treasure, he, he said the kingdom, everything about it is like a treasure. So, you need to change your perspective about how you see the things of the kingdom. Evangelism should be seen as you telling your love story. Now, that might not make sense to guys, but it makes a lot of sense to ladies. They tell you about how they met the guy. How he collected their number. How they were playing hard to get. How they are telling the guy. How... How they wanted to go out on a date with the guy, but when he asked them, they said no. <laughs> but I'll tell you the story again and again and again. And again. I mean, if our lecturers asked us to write about, ex- examine us on the relationship of our female friends, we'll, pass, we'll have passed it more than our academic work. Like they've told you again and again, there's this guy. Say his name is, this is how he is. And if a lady starts defending a guy for you, you think it's Christ. Then he has a question, say, nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. How is the guy? He's a nice guy. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. The nice is a worldly musician. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Evangelism should be seen as you telling your love story. That God loved me. Translated me that was darkness into light. Do you understand? Me that was without hope. He gave me hope. That I'm part of his family. And his responsibility is sharing your love story. Listen, and if you don't see the gospel as 
a love story. The perspective is faulty. It begins with, for God so loved the world. Praise the Lord. So it's actually the story of how God loved someone that is not worthy of love. And guess what? Many people out there think they are not deserving of God. So they say, yes, I know you are not deserving. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So guess what? You qualify to, for the category of those he loved. Those are unworthy. So you, if you are very unworthy, you are, too, you are very qualified. You are almost too qualified. Praise the Lord. So through all the reasons why you think you are disqualified, you are ticking the boxes for your qualification. He loves the disqualified. It's a love story. Prayer is an opportunity to talk to a lover dad. Not the lover boy. But your lover dad. And if you see prayer that wish. You probably will start with a sigh. Ah, oh, Father, I thank you. Do you know? <laughs> do you know that some people when they start their prayer at Father, it's just a cliche word. Also, Father in the name of Jesus, it's a they don't realize that I'm saying, Father, thank you. I think, ah, thank you for what you did for me in Christ. If we were to work for salvation, or if there was a limit, if it was like admission, there's a limit. Some of us know now. When people like Mahatma Gandhi is alive, when will we qualify? Praise the Lord. So, prayer is an opportunity to talk to your lover, dad. When you see him that way, ah, let me tell you what salvation is. Go, salvation is God shooting his best shots. So that you know that any other thing you need him to do. He will do. Salvation was God shooting his best shots at demonstrating love for you, at meeting your needs so that you know that any other thing you needed, he will do. If he's, he said, if he spared not his own son, how will you know if he freely give you all things? So when you are praying, this is the perspective you have to have. Many times we are focused on the problem. But Jesus wasn't that way. John chapter 11, look at it. John 11. Ah, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Ah. Are you learning something? I hope you are. John chapter 11, are you there? Verse 41. This was Jesus standing in the tomb of a a dead man. A man that has been dead for four days. Buried already. Embalmed. His sister said, look, might be smelling already. Jesus said, Jesus looked up. I'm reading from the NIV. Jesus looked up and said, Father, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Realize that when you begin to pray, you have begun to pray. When you begin to pray, God is already hearing you. That's very important. You are talking like you are talking to your dad and he's hearing you. Praise the Lord. So you will be more effective in prayer 
if you look at it this way, you would appreciate prayer and the lover that when you realize that when I'm talking, he's hearing me. Jesus said, Father, I thank you because you've heard me. He said, I know that you always hear me. He said, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. So prayer is you talking to God. It's an opportunity for fellowship. Now listen, if you see prayer that way, your propensity to pray will increase. Because this is an opportunity to talk to my lover dad. And I told you that salvation is him shooting his best shot. So that you would know that anything you want, He's ready to share you. God didn't save you and wash his hands off your case. He saved you so that you know that he has done the best. Anything less than that, he's ready. He's willing and he will do it. Praise the Lord. You must see it that way. That will influence your prayer life a lot. Bible study is an opportunity to unravel God's love towards you. So next time you, you, you're reading your Bible, take a moment and pause, close your eyes and say, Look, I'm going to read right now. I'm going to realize how much God loves me. Whoosh! Uh, uh, uh. Praise the Lord. I'm going to realize how much God loves me. You know, the Bible is a love poem. With, with poems like, For this cause, shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the boy shall become one flesh. But this is a mystery I speak about Christ and the church. You didn't catch it. It's a love story written to you to tell you how much your lover loves you, to tell you how much your father loves you. That alone influences every other thing. Let me give you a simple illustration. If you've gone to the office of someone that's, that has influence, I was going to say very impo- important, but now I remember that everybody is important. But let's say someone that has some level of influence, and you're sitting at reception table um, with the receptionist or his secretary in the waiting room, and then his child, maybe he's five-year-old, or let's even say seven, or his teenage daughter, walks in to the secretary's place. Do you think she's going to say, where's the visitor's book? Let me sign and enter. She just, as she's entering, she, she, she just, uh, how are you with us? And then she just, she might not even knock. And she might go inside and even be ranting at the dad. So that you planned all your lines. You've practiced your, your greeting. You've learned how to, you know, don't sit down until they tell you to sit down. You know, this is how I'm going to stretch. Never use your left hand to stretch the document. Use your right hand. Tell him thank you. If you say they don't qualify, say thank you, sir. I think you should consider. You've, you've practiced everything. The girl may even be your classmate. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with qualification because he is her father. She just walks inside. Asks him for what she wants and walks right back. You are still there. He's your father. It means you have access. You can just go in like that and tell him what you want. Now, if you are not seeing it that way, that's what Bible study is about. That's what the teaching of the word is about. So that your perspective is changed. 
you realize that this is how much he loves me. This is how much he's willing to help me. Don't allow the world give you the perspective. You know why? Because the world is going to tell you it's difficult to get some things. But the Bible says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think. That's how willing he is. So, you must receive an orientation, a new orientation, that this is, you have to see life differently as a believer. Praise the Lord. So, consciously allow the word of God change your mindset. Praise the Lord. The world we live in today, listen to me very well. The world we live in today seeks to educate you, whether you know it or not. It's every day they are selling new ideas to you. Do you understand? They are selling new ideas to you. They are telling you the kind of lifestyle you should live. What in the world is an open relationship? Open, like you can come. Anybody can come in and come out, or like we are. Like the idea is that nobody is cheating, or you can have other partners, but it's not called cheating. Like there's, there's freedom. That's what the world is selling. Tolerance today is another thing. Praise the Lord. So don't let it sell its ideas to you. Don't let it sell. And listen, it's, it's ve- in this our social media age, it's a lot more difficult. Why? Abilities you didn't know you had, they were activating you. Abilities you didn't know you had. The world will sell covetousness to you. Do you understand? It will sell covetousness to you. Praise the Lord. So, this is it. Our Christian devotion is a response to our revelation of His love. So, the concept of His love is absolutely important. Your Christian devotion hinges on your revelation of His love. Praise the Lord. So, you have to grow in your understanding of His love. You have to grow. Allow it to influence your life. Allow it to influence your mindset. You have to know that even in the tough times, God loves me. Even when things seem not to be working, God loves me. Even when I mess up, God loves me. Nothing disqualifies me. Whatever is meant to disqualify me is what checks his box as a qualified person for his candidate for his help. Praise the Lord. Nothing disqualifies me. Come on, see that. Nothing disqualifies me. Say his love is constant. I think there's this song that said, is it, um, is Elohim, um, faithful, do you know it's Elohim, by Hill song? Um, what does he say? What's that line again? It's constant like the sun or something like that. Shining over us. You don't know the song. Ah, it's a beautiful song. You know it's what's that line I'm trying to remember? Yeah. Ever true shining. Yes. His love is like the sun. Ever true shining over. Beautiful song. Ah. I love that song. It's my song crush for this month. Praise the Lord. 
A vibrant Christian devotion is a life lived in response to the love of God. It's not mechanical. And that's very important to understand. People have gotten used to starting their prayers with Father, that they forgot that they are saying Father. So it's not mechanical, you just say it. Just like people have gotten used to ending their prayers with in the name of Jesus, that they've forgotten that they will say it's in the name of Jesus. So never get used to it. Never let it get mechanical. Never let it become a cliche that when I say father, I don't my consciousness doesn't just immediately, oh father. Father. Praise the Lord. And that's important. Very, very important. That once you say Father, your mind goes to that big lover God. Big lover God. Praise God. I said Christian devotion is motivated by the love of God's response to love. Second Corinthians 5 verse 14 and 15 says, For God's love compels us. It motivates us. KJV says the love of God constrains us. The word is motivate, compel. He said because we are convinced that if one died for all, therefore all are dead. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him that died for them and was raised again. It motivates us. The reason why we preach the gospel is because we are motivated by God's love. Praise the Lord. I realize what he has done for me. You don't know it. I'm like, God is so good. You can't not know that. I have to tell you about it. Do you know how many people out there think that God disqualifies them? They think they are not fit. So you go and tell them that listen, he loves you the way you are. And he fixed you. He didn't say you should fix yourself and come to him. He said, I'll take the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll write my law on your heart and cause you to do the things that please me. I put my spirit in you and it's a work in you, giving you the desire and enabling you to do the things that please me. At every point in time, God is pleased with you. That's beautiful, don't you think so? As a believer, at any point in time, God is pleased with you. Whoosh! Praise the Lord. It's beautiful. I love it. The love of God is so important. Paul said that even if you want to give your body to be burnt, it must be from the perspective of love. And we love because he loved us. Do you understand? Your devotion must be a love response. Your devotion must be a love response. The reason why I want to be a part of a local church must be a love response. The reason why I want to praise God must be a love response. The reason why I want to pray must be a love response. I realize I'm going to talk with my lover dad. And praises is just amazing. Because the same words, like I said before, the same words you use to declare to God your appreciation for all that he has done come back to you as a demonstration of his love. His love is like the sun shining over all. A word you're using to show your appreciation to him comes back to you as a demonstration of his love to you. How many of you got it? Thank you. So, it's important that your activities are motivated by love. 
increase, Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Say the message of Christ dwelling in you richly, quantitatively and qualitatively. He says, as you teach and admonish one another. Now, this is it. The activities must be motivated by love. The word of God reveals you his love for you, towards you. So, when you know the word of God, you realize that God loves you. And then that love motivates you, your devotion. Does it make sense? The word of God reveals to you how much God loves you. Now, the world will not let you know how much God loves you. But the word of God is a love book. Salvation is a love story. The Bible is about salvation. So the Bible is about the love story of God towards you. So the word of God reveals salvation. It reveals your love story, how God loves you. That revelation leads to your devotion. Your devotion must always be a response to the love of God. Always. So he said, let the message about Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So the word of message about Christ dwells on you, reveals to you the love, and that motivates you, that propels you, sponsors your teaching and admonishing of one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let the message about Christ dwell in you as you teach and admonish one another. So that's important. That's important. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you know it's your prayer time, but you don't feel like praying. That's the time you use your mind and your mouth. You start by t- realizing that I'm going to talk to my lover dad. And jo- this is how your body system works. Your mouth controls your whole body. In fact, James said, if you're able to breathe through your tongues, you're mature. If you have to breathe your mouth, control your tongue, you're mature. He said, just the way a ship, you know, there's this word they use, like a wheel to steer the ship and turn it to any direction they want. He said, that's what your tongue is to your body. It dictates the direction it follows. So, you, you, you know it's your prayer time. You start by realizing that this is time to talk to my lover dad. And then you begin to use your mouth to say that I'm going to talk to my lover dad. I'm going to get intervention in the areas that are bothering me. I'm going to get wisdom. As I talk to him, he's going to reveal to me what to do. He's going to share his burdens with me. I'm going to be strengthened. Before you're done, you realize you're talking in tongues. You're already praying. Before you realize you're everywhere. Bouncing and, you know, praying fervently. So I've just told you what to do. I've just told you what to do. Praise the Lord. So that's very important. Very, very, very important. So, we said we're teaching on devotion and I asked the question, what does a vibrant and a vibrant Christian devotion look like? And I've explained to you what it looks like. Now, where does it happen? This is very important. A vibrant Christian devotion is cultivated, is nurtured in the local church. See, listen, if you allow experiences dictate your conviction, I heard this from Pastor Ray. He said, if you allow experiences di- dictate your conviction, your conviction will never be able to dictate your experiences. If you allow your experiences dictate your conviction, what God's word has said about any situation would never be able to co- become conviction for you. If you allow the things that happen to you determine your perspective to Christianity, for example, your perspective to life, 
what God's word said would never determine the perspective. So here is it. And all of us here in this room currently are victims of this. So before now, you had to hustle your spiritual growth. You attended a certain local church. You grew by listening to other people's messages that were not your pastor. Reading books that wasn't your pastor. In fact, everything you believed was the opposite of probably your family church. So you had to hustle your own spiritual good by yourself. Or you and your friends. How many of you know that a group of friends that come together don't form a local church? You don't know that. A local church has to have a pastor. It's not brethren. All of us are brethren. No. 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 Now, this is it. Maybe you have done it and you grieve. That's how you cultivated prayer. That's how you stay gift of the Spirit. That's how you understood all the many of the things you know today. See? But because that faulty model helped you, doesn't mean it's what the Word of God teaches. Is it clear? What does the Word teach? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, he says, for the perfecting of the saints. You know what the book of Hebrews said? That those people would give account for your soul, not your friends. Did you see that now? Did you see that now? Why is this important? Not only because it works and is effective, but because that's what the Bible actually teaches. Like, Obama said something when he was president of the United States. No wonder he didn't win again. I'm joking. <laughs> he said, Do you know that the definition of the word marriage has been edited? Let me tell you what it used to mean. It means when a man gets married to a woman, right? Now the definition of marriage is the union between two consenting adults. It's a gender-neutral term. Two consenting adults. So if Stephen and Paul consent, they can marry. Do you understand? Now, so, he said, Obama said, that man and woman gender-specific term was the history, culturally accepted thing in Israel at the time. You know, Obama is a Muslim. He's trying to teach us about the Bible now. Do you understand? What? So, you have to stay with what the Bible teaches. Do you understand? You have to stay with what the Bible teaches. A vibrant Christian devotion is cultivated in a local church. The spiritual growth is monitored in a local church. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter um, 8, I believe, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He had, Paul always had this perspective of monitoring your spiritual growth. That was his idea. He said, oh, you guys have excelled in diligence, in faith, 
in utterance. He said, now this one, you have to excel in it. He was talking about giving. He said, you have to excel in this grace also. So he was, he was rating, all right, this is good. You've learned this. You also have learned this. You also have learned this. Now this is the one you need to learn. That was his perspective. Praise the Lord. Same thing to the Philippian church. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 25, he said, Convinced of this, I know that I shall continue to abide with you for your progress in the faith. For your progress in the faith. He said, for me to live is better for me. But for you is better that I stay. So I'm going to convince of this. I would continue with you for your furtherance. You see, he had a responsibility over them. He knew growth was important for them. So he said, I'm going to stay for your progress. He didn't say, sort yourself out. Praise the Lord. Concerning the Galatian church, he said, Oh, I'm in birth pains again, traveling until Christ is formed in you. That's why many people can't understand the early church. They had issues, they couldn't fix it among themselves. They'll come and meet him. They had weird questions too, like, um, what that? Okay, food of to idols. But I came to meet him. So that's very important. So here's what I would advise. Now that you found a good local church, allow it cultivate a vibrant Christian life in you. I know, I know it's very difficult to relinquish your spiritual good to someone else. It feels like, look, I've, I've, I've grown by myself. I've helped myself thus far. I think I need to read this book. I pick it up and I read it. And I grow, I learn. I pick up my Bible, I study. I grow, I learn. I need to grow in my prayer life. I grow, I learn. I need to, you know, improve on fasting. I probably pick a book, learn on it and grow. And I've done this for years. I've seen significant growth in my life. How do I now trust someone with my spiritual? I've never done it before. So how do I do it? Like it's difficult. Am I sure it's going to work? Every one of us has been there before. I have been there. I didn't understand why I should relinquish my spiritual life to someone else. If you know my conversion story, you know why I didn't think I should relinquish my spiritual life to someone else. I mean, I've done amazing... Come on! I need to look at my CV. I've done amazing things on my own. How do I relinquish it? Then I realized that this is God's model. It doesn't matter how good I've done on my own. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the of the things. Okay, fine. I'll try that. So I relinquish it. But then training for ministry? No, no, no. I'm going to do it by myself. I have my call. I have my vision. I know what God has sent me to. But he says, no. I gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for training you for ministry. Wow. So now I relinquish my spiritual growth. And now I have to relinquish my training for ministry to someone. Ooh. But you know what? Trust and obey. Why? 
because God has a plan. So he designed a system. I'm like, I'm like, that system doesn't look effective. Like, I think we should tweak this system a little. That's my thinking. I just submit everything. I come on, I have to go and do some. Come on, how about? Well, you know when I read the Bible, Paul said in Second Timothy chapter two, verse two. He said, the things I have committed to you are taught you in the presence of many witnesses. He said, commit the same, very, very specific things. The things I taught you, commit the same to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, you're saying that Timothy wasn't attending Peter's seminars? How is he going to be able to separate what Peter taught him from what Paul taught him? The things I have committed to you, commit the same to faithful men. He didn't have two sermon notes for Paul and for Peter. So when he's teaching the faithful men, he will take Paul's notes. He relinquished his spiritual growth and his training in ministry to Paul. Such that Paul knew it so much. That he said, the things I've taught you, parents of many witnesses, this commit the same to the faithful men. And these faithful men don't have a lot of junk. They don't have different notes of different people. He said they are able to commit the same thing also. There are only two things you can do. You can only say, you can either say, this teaching is a historical teaching. It was for the first century church. It's not applicable today and it's not the word of God for today. I would say, you know what? I'm going to trust and obey. If it's God's way, I'll do it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. How do I sustain? I told you where A vibrant and consistent Christian devotion is cultivated. Where is it? Local church. How do I sustain Do you know that when you relinquish everything, you're not trusting in the man, you're trusting in the God behind the man. See, God is amazing. <laughs> so amazing. amazing how do I sustain it once you have the right perspective and you maintain the structure that the Bible has set for your spiritual growth you will have a vibrant and consistent Christian devotion maybe you should pick up the teaching on the local church and listen to it again I think it will bless you praise the Lord and this is an aside I think as a ministry, the systems we have in place are designed to make you vibrant and to keep you vibrant. And I had to learn it. There are two. The Bible says that it was the night hour in Acts chapter 3 Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. It was a corporate prayer time. Look at for example even let's go back to, to Acts chapter 2. Where they were praying, corporate prayer time. Acts chapter 3, when they were praying, before they healed the layman, corporate prayer time. 
Acts chapter 4, is it Acts chapter 5 now? Acts chapter 4 rather. Acts chapter 4. After they flogged them, they were praying again. And the Bible said the whole place was shaken and they were filled with the Spirit. That was when they prayed, Behold our threatenings, and stretch forth your hands that the sea will heal, and grant that your servants will preach with all boldness. The Bible says they were praying, they got filled with the Spirit, the whole place was shaking. Corporate prayer time. Because your spiritual growth is not an individualistic thing. You are a member of the body of Christ. Realize that he, he, when he, in using analogy, he uses the human body. and says that the hand can say, come on, I don't need the leg. And if you know about the human body, they don't grow like trees. Trees just grow anyhow they feel like. But there's some form of symmetrical growth in the human body. Why the biologist in the house? Quiet. Me, I'm just an animal enthusiast. So. Animal scientist. Sir. Are we close? You know when Pastor Grand is forming? You know. H2O2 is water. <laughs> H2O2 is an acid. <laughs> but it's for me like double portion. You know, God will give you double. Not only H2O, He will give you H2O2. <laughs> <laughs> you see, sir, you have to go back to school. This is your <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so there's a system put in place for our corporate growth do you understand and I've said the corporate time of prayer is what time people can remember 6 9 12 3 good have you been doing it Have you been beeping your partner that if you should pray? Do you understand? You need to learn to prod one another. It doesn't have to be long. It can be five minutes. It can be ten minutes. Just it can be fifteen minutes. Sometimes you just address your mind back to God as a father. Sometimes in those split moments, he just gives you the wisdom if you do this. Sometimes he just gives you direction. He just gives you the just intervention. So, after all that you've heard, today what will matter is that you are a doer of the word. That in this week that, that we are in, and this is very important. I would pray in a regular times of daily prayer. In this week that we are in, I will do my reading plan. In this week that we are in, I will listen to faith series. This is the third week we are saying it, right? Remember? You can't even remember. Can't remember? Second week. I thought you said it before one time. Before we said it last week. You said it one time. So I, I didn't bother to say it again. You said it that time. Then you said it last week too. It's like, in this week that I, I would listen to my faith series. Remember what I told you to do when you it's time for prayer and you don't know what to do? I don't feel like it. Can you start doing it? And just begin to address your mind and begin to use your words. I'm telling you what to do. Expect response. I would be committed to the reading plan. I'm going to know about the love of God. Oh, I'm going to tell my love story to someone this week. The Lord has told you to talk to someone. You've been waiting. But this is it. I'm going to talk. Declare my love story. Are you praying? Especially to be praying. I'm telling you what to do. I'm going to tell my love story. 
I'm going to tell my love story. The things that the Lord has laid in my heart to pray for, this is the week that I pray for them. Some of you, He's been leading you to fast. You've been pushing it. Some instructions He's giving you. Say, this is the week where I do them. I'm not confused this week. I'm not confused. I'm not confused. I'm not confused. I have a treasure that outweighs every treasure. I have something more than gold. Please rise up on your feet and begin to see those things.